in just a moment. I want to go to the Skype Maker Hotline and uh, say hello to a good friend and one of the smartest guys out there, Dr. Anthony Stein. And he actually really is a doctor. Uh, Doc Stein had a really interesting Yubu video. You can watch it on his YouTube channel channel yesterday uh, about, <clears throat> well, number one, uh, maybe you should rethink the lavishing the praise on some certain Catholic bishops because they were going to defy Papa Francis and his moto proprio uh, uh, attempt to bring about some sacred, uh, bring about an end to some sacred tradition. And the other thing is, Doc Stein, Doctor Stein, has uh, been informed of another document that is in the works um, that's going to put the moto proprio against the old rite of mass on steroids. Now, if you're not Catholic, you go like, come on, Mike, that's inside Catholic baseball. We don't want, as the church goes, so does yours. That's a fact. As the Catholic church goes, so does the rest of the Christian denominations. Not because they take their marching orders, because that's just the way the world works since Christ. Um, so it does matter. It matters to everyone. Uh, uh, Dr. Stein, are you there? I'm here, Mike. How are you? I am well. Uh, how are you? And tell me about, as you said, your wife has an OBGYN appointment today. Is this child number one? Which child are we? It's, it's child number two, and it's a nutritionist appointment because you know how some women towards the end of pregnancy start having diabetic symptoms? I've heard this, yes. She has it. So we are going to get to listen to some very established nutrition establishment friendly <laughs> in no way did this advice make tens of millions of Americans unnecessarily obese advice, whereas she'll smile and nod and then quickly ask all the traditional Catholic women who've had numerous children and who've dealt with this themselves how they actually dealt with it. Because usually advice from your peers in this kind of way is usually better. And you know what? There are lots of, uh, I think they call them, some people call them doulas. There are a lot of mm -hmm. doulas out there. Uh, the popular term is midwife. Uh, they know what they're doing. Yeah, we're, um, we're we're watching all the news about the scamdemic and wondering if uh, they're going to try to have me in some sort of biohazard suit when my wife goes into labor here in a couple of months just to go visit our child and if they're going to do what they're doing in the UK. I don't know if you've heard about this, but they're in the UK they've – the, NH the NHS has declared that a child is not the property of the mother and that they can separate the child from the mother if they're not vaccinated and do oh. other crazy things. Oh. And I'm just like – and I'm like, you know, it could never happen in America, but all the things we say could never happen in America have already happened in America. So just wait for this one. Yeah. I, uh, look, if, uh, until people – and I mean organized people stand up and go like, no, no, we thought about it, no. Uh, this will continue, and it'll keep getting worse, uh, which is why I want to talk to you today. Your YouTube video yesterday was outstanding, um, both the piece about Cordley, uh, uh, Archbishop uh, Cordelioni in San Francisco and this kind of letter that he wrote, which was kind of, it, it almost sounded like he was angry. Uh, reading between the lines, did you get the impression? And you fill our listeners in on what Archbishop Cordelione, Nancy Pelosi's bishop, said or wrote. Well, initially, the Archbishop of San Francisco, when Traditionis Custodis, Francis's uh, modu proprio, as functionally beginning the end of the Latin Mass, came down, 
he gave the reaction of saying that the Latin masses in his diocese would continue as they are. And since he doesn't only have a fraternity parish and a diocesan parish, one of each in the parish, that's a violation of the, on, on its face of the document. Okay. And a lot of us came out and sort of praised him and thanked him for, hey, you know, thank you for defending, you know, doing the barest minimum to defend the sacred traditions of the faith by just ignoring something that doesn't need to be followed. He then came out a few days later with an angry letter saying, I'm deeply upset by the divisive language and the hateful rhetoric directed to Pope Francis by Pete, by traditional Catholics. Have you seen the things on the Internet? OK, <laughs> you know, this is what happens. <laughs> it is the Internet. It is the internet, and this is but this is what happens when I always talk about uh, the the better bishops. Okay, I you know Bishop Schneider is my favorite of the of the bishops in the church who are you know unequivocally in uh, having a, a uh, unquestioned relationship with the Holy See. You know, I'm not talking about the bishop fillets of the SSPX here. I'm talking of all the bishops who you know have actually some sort of jurisdiction in the church. The auxiliary bishop from Kazakhstan, Bishop Athanasius Schneider, is my favorite. And he's come out and said more scathing things about this than a lot of other people have, a lot of other figures in the church, a lot of internet commentators. Schneider has been much more forceful about this. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Um, but we got a new letter. We got a new uh, uh, inside tip from a very good source that a after the summer is over, the Vatican is going to release a, an enforcement document for Traditionis Custodis. And the going rumor is, and this is from a source that hasn't been wrong with their rumors yet, so always take rumors with a grain of salt, of course. But he is saying that this is uh, going to be the, the the Vatican pulling the plug or putting a sun sunset provision on all of the fraternity of St. Peter and similar organizations' seminaries. Now, are you like me? Do you know? I know young men that are currently in Denton, Nebraska— at the Fraternal Society of St. Peter, who are studying for the priesthood, and they went there specifically so they could learn the, the, uh, the quo prima uh, Latin rite uh, of the Mass. Do you know Do you know any seminarians? I mean, this is, you're messing with people's lives and livelihoods now. You're, you're, you're messing with people's vocations. Vocations, that's I've, right. I've had many I've had conversations with the visiting seminarians to my FSSP parish mm -hmm. before. They've, and these are good, holy young men who, in a bygone era, would have looked like any other seminarian <laughs> in the right. church, right? You know, they, these aren't, you know, firebrands going out there telling people to, uh, you know, you know, offer your masses for Benedict the Sixteenth or the the See of Peter's vacant. These aren't, you know, these aren't people who are taking positions that the church would be objecting to. These are just good, holy young men who want to say the mass, the same mass that all of our ancestors went to right. and offer the sacraments the way all of our ancestors had offered, had them offered to them all the way through history. It's all they wanted to do to teach the faith and be good shepherds. And it sounds like they're going, something is going to be done to the seminaries. And I'd love to be, I really would love to be wrong. Would love to be wrong about this because there are people who are pushing back, saying, "Really, all the, the Traditionis Custodis did was put the hand, put the Latin Mass in the hands of the bishops." But clearly, if a a new priest cannot be given after July sixteenth of this year, could not be given the faculties to say the the traditional liturgy without both the permission of his bishop and then the permission of Rome, 
clearly that is a design to end the mass. Because how many people do you think they're going to give permission to? Not many. So, uh, Dr. Anthony Stein, uh, what is your YouTube channel? Because I want people to be able to go there and, and listen to your video from yesterday and all the other great work that you have. I'm at Return to Tradition. Okay. Your video yesterday was really good. Folks, if you're interested in this, go watch Dr. Stein's video. But I want to pick your brain because you got 70,000 subscribers that had YouTube video. I know you talk to a lot more uh, rad trads than I do or people that practice and love uh, the sacred tradition, smells and bells and what have you here. Uh, census uh, Moto Proprio came out, and the last time you and I talked, what has been the what? What is the prevailing arc of the news? Uh, as 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 the Pope, uh, is he being largely successful? And uh, are the orders being carried out, and masses and parishes and entire parishes being abrogated, or, or are more people saying like we're going to hold the line? Where, give me the early read from your point of view. There's a few different responses happening. Okay. I'm seeing letters from dioceses in Europe and a few in the United States, as well as Central America, completely banning the Latin Mass in their countries. Just gone. All of them gone. Like entire bishops' conferences saying, all these organizations are out. All these parishes are going to say the new Mass only. All of it. You're seeing the second reaction, which is bishops invoking Canon 87 of the Code of Canon Law essentially saying we don't need to listen to this moto proprio because it would be harmful to the to the health and well-being of our parish. Okay. And then here then the third option seems to be we're going to study the issue, which is bureaucratic speak most of the time for in my mind for we're going to wait until Francis is gone <laughs> see what happens next. <laughs> or they're going to or although Cardinal Supich also had that statement. Now I'm not a big fan of Cardinal Supich, and I'd like to think he's in the we're going to wait Francis out camp, but he goes to have personal meetings with Pope Francis all the time. Right, right. He's probably literally studying the issue to see how best to implement it, given that he's got a bit of a complication in his diocese. And those are the, um, I want to say the Canons of St. John, but I don't think that's the right name of the organization. But there's a well-known traditional religious order like in or near Chicago that offers the Latin Mass. They're world famous. And trying to pull the plug on the Latin Mass in his diocese could cause him problems. And that's at St. John Cantius, which that's is, the one. it's a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful church. Lots of no, uh, now folks, again, I want to talk a little inside Catholic baseball here with Dr. Stein, but I'll try to uh, get all of you up to speed. Um, uh, so what you know mostly, if you've been visited with a friend or you went to a, a wedding at a Catholic church and you've seen a mass in the last 40 years, you've seen you've seen the mass, what's called the mass of Paul, uh, of Paul VI, uh, the new order, Nova's Ordo, um, which supposedly was this organic thing that came out of the Second Vatican Council. We can argue till we're blue in the face. I'm with the guys, Dr. Stein, that patiently and charitably say, I'm going to wait. I'm going to. I'm going to, to the TLM, and I'm practicing sacred tradition because I believe that the gates of hell can't prevail, and that a future council will straighten this mess out. It's not for me to do as laity, so I'm just going to try to get to heaven, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, this is a struggle for many of uh, you guys that are Protestants and evangelicals, for many of your brethren Catholics. We are not on this uh, uh, this, this golden brick robe throwing uh, uh, gumdrops and lollipops out. Um, it is a daily, if not hourly, struggle because the world, uh, and especially that world, 
uh, that thinks that, uh, that tradition is, uh, uh, is something that needs to be done away with uh, uh, wants us to do away with it. Kind of like the way you're being forced, folks. Many of you are being told that you're going to be forced into masks and vaccine mandates. That's what they're trying to do. That's what the Vatican and its, uh, its minions are now trying to do to people like Dr. Stein and I and many of you. Force something on us and our consciousness and our souls and our minds are going like, no, it's wrong. I won't do it. Is that a pretty good analogy? I think so. I mean, we're seeing various institutions of the secular world tell us that our children don't belong to us teaching evil things to our children and telling them in, the, in public schools, don't tell your parents about what we're telling you, whether it's the critical race theory stuff or the jab or anything else. I mean, these people are literally interfering in the oldest institution in the entire world, the family unit. If they'll go after the family unit, they'll go after anything. And what we see in the church is sort of a, like a strange reflection of that because the church, since that period in the 60s, has been openly in partnership to some degree or another, depending on who's in the, on the on the throne of Peter, with those same institutions. And it was part of opening the windows of the church to the world, because we now live in an age where apparently the world now has a greater respect for human dignity, even though you wouldn't know it right. <laughs> for the last 60 years. <laughs> now, um, w w uh, Dr. Anthony uh, Stein on our Doomaker Skype line with us, Doc, uh, Doc Stein, what the, from the source that you got the document that I saw in your YouTube video yesterday? Um, uh, just give our listeners maybe a brief su summary beyond what you've already said of what may be coming very soon. It's it's a document that's going to be coming from the Congregation for divine for the divine worship and the discipline of the sacraments and an administrative uh, that'll be probably co-signed by the. Congregation for Institutes of Consecrated Life and Societies of Apostolic Life. It's a bunch of different, uh, these are bureaucratic offices in the Vatican, and the latter organization is the one that now, under the auspices of Francis's new document from a month ago, oversees the Fraternity of St. Peter, oversees the Institute of Christ the King, Sovereign Priest, and all the groups like them. And if the SSPX got their canonical status situation, had gotten their canonical status situation worked out with the Vatican, which Francis had been working very hard to do behind the scenes okay. until the, until recently. If that had happened, they'd be under this too. This organization is the one that pulled the plug on numerous traditional um, monastic groups dedicated to the traditional sacraments, teaching the faith the way it always been taught, all that stuff. This organization is the one that is going to issue this document that is going to uh, harm the fraternity of St. Peter in some way, likely by pulling the plug on their seminaries or restricting how many seminarians or something else that is that will unequivocally demonstrate to everybody that when Francis in the accompanying letter to his document said that they need the church needs to ready all of us meanie trads for the eventual return to the new mass, that he actually meant that. That there that the Latin masses, the toleration of the pre-1962 liturgy is going to come to an end. So I want to go back to my first interview with Dr. Stein, and you can get it at crusadechannel.com. It's free of charge, and we'll make this one free of charge as well, stream it to the world. I want to go back to our first conversation, um, uh, and we play this every Sunday now on our Sermon Sunday rotation. It's a permanent part of the Sermon Sunday rotation, <laughs> and it's canon. Uh, Brother Andre Marie corrected me, goes, Mike, he's not Father Hesse, he's canon Hesse. But he's uh, canon Hesse on quo primum, 
and why the uh, the mass of the Council of Trent and St. Pius V cannot ever be abrogated. Has anything come up between your our prior conversation and this one, Dr. Stein, that would undermine anything that, we, that we're going to hear this Sunday again from, from Canon Hesse? Not to my knowledge. I mean, there are people who do, who good people who don't agree with us on the on how much that document is binding. But I haven't seen anybody push back against it in a serious way. There is a a lot of people don't like Canon Hess too much. Okay, all right. <laughs> he had the, abil- he had the ability to uh, rub people the wrong way a little bit, you know. <laughs> Fair <laughs> but, enough. Um, his argument it seems sound, especially when you consider. Uh, what Father Ripperger talks about when he says the binding force of tradition, right? How tradition is a binding force on the church. Yes, and that it is. mass was not invented by St. Pius V. It had pre-existed him by many centuries. He just adjusted it slightly and then and then essentially canonized that mass for all time. That's all he did. I mean, that there was a time when Pope St. Leo the Great issued his his famous first real missal for the Roman Rite of the Church. And he, they the laity in Rome were throwing tomatoes at him until they actually got a look at the thing because he, tr- they thought he was trying to end the mass and replace it with something new. Right. And he was in the, he was in the sixth century. We're talking about a mass that's been around 15 centuries minimum that itself truly organically developed was not developed in a coffee shop in Rome. Like the new mass was at least parts <laughs> of it. Um, okay. So final question, I'll let you get back to, uh, uh to, to your wife and your familial duties and everything else that you do. So, Final question. Uh, you mentioned uh, Fa- uh, Father Ripperger. I uh, know that on uh, Twitter and some other places, you interact with Father Nix, Father David Nix, a good friend of mine, a uh, dear friend of mine, and uh, Dr. Taylor Marshall and several others. Um, is, uh, is the consensus kind of forming then, based on what we've learned, what you've learned recently, what the Pope did back in uh, 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 last month, is the consensus kind of beginning to form that if you want the smells and bells and the sacred tradition that like previous eras of passion inside Catholicism and, and, and Christ Church, uh, we are actually going to be forced into, uh, whether it's metaphorically or literally, into catacombs. Uh, 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 and is that a paranoid reaction? What do you think? I have seen many people talking about trying to find space in their garages for a an old altar if they can for all the th- the accoutrements that a priest would need to say the mass there are people who are making these preparations it sounds insane but look at what else is going on in the world if you're not you know preparing for whatever it is that we all know is coming on at least a material level then you're driving around with blinders on you should really be taking consideration about your spiritual health too and this is why I, you know, support, you know, monastic groups who are trying to get started, despite the fact the Vatican put the ban on that in that document of new monastic groups also who are dedicated to tradition. We have to be prepared for these things to weather the storm, because the other thing I've seen is that people are spreading this rumor that Francis's surgery went really badly and that he's only got a few months to live. Right. But I've seen no verification of that whatsoever. And it really seems like wishful thinking of the worst kind, because I want Francis to have a long life where he actually, you know, makes his, you know, actually gets right with God in his duties as pope and, you know, is prepared for his his private judgment. 
you know, in the best way possible. I don't want him to go to the bad place, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, I and want, no one should. I want him to be a good pope. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> well, and that's one of the things that separates us from, uh, uh, and many people probably think, you red tratties, you, tra- you probably don't even pray for the Holy Father. Every single day, pal, mm-hmm. I never miss a day. There's not a day that goes by when I don't offer something up for the Holy Father. Um and um, people need to know that we need to, Doctor Stein. We need to say say that publicly more often. Uh, do I? Do I, I don't have to agree with his personal opinions on anything, and I don't have to do anything he person he says he personally thinks that we should be doing. But when he does use his chair, which it seems he used, and the authority of his chair, I guess he's abusing it with his uh, moto proprio. Um, uh, it's going. There, there's going to be pushback. There are going to be people, and this is the history of Catholicism. This is the way it works. There are going to be people that are going to stand up and say no. You know, every heresy that's ever come up, Dr. Stein, was endorsed by some bishop. Every single one of them. Every heresy that ever that we know by name today was practiced by many laity faithful and endorsed by a bishop somewhere, if not many of them. So ultimately, though, we rest in knowing that our Lord told us, I am not leaving you to yourselves. I am sending the paraclete. You get the final word. Well, uh, thanks for having me on again, as, uh, as just like last time. You know, I mentioned in my videos, whenever I have these really bad stories about Francis, that you know, you should pray for him. And I always get pushed back for that. And then I always have to remind people, Jesus said to pray even for our enemies. Now, people try to say, well, I don't think Francis is my enemy, so I'm not going to pray for him. <laughs> you missed the point. Jesus told us to pray for everybody. You know, if you, you, you walk down a street and you see somebody, you see a homeless person who's suffering and you don't have the money to help them, at least throw up a prayer for them. You have to pray for everyone. And that's kind of hard because it's easy to pray for people you like. It's not so easy right. to pray for the people who are harming you. And those are the people you should be praying for, especially. So please, folks, even if you th- even if your prayer is for Francis to become Catholic, because I've seen people say that, <laughs> pray for him. It's good. It's, it's well-meaning. <laughs> so, thanks, Mike. Okay, so on YouTube, he is Return to Tradition. Uh, he really is a doctor, Dr. Anthony Stein. You know, I, uh, I didn't listen to an awful lot of your stuff until uh, recently. I knew about you, but the more I listened, uh, I like the fact that you were a calm, reasoned voice in a, uh, among a den of banshees. <laughs> we <laughs> well, need, uh, we, we some, people don't like, some, some people don't like that because I got word that the Vatican is actually paying attention to all of us on YouTube and the <laughs> podcasting sphere that they actually blame us for some of this. And uh, that's my video today. So if anybody needs a good laugh because... I got 84,000 subscribers. That sounds like a lot. In the grand scheme of YouTube, there are people with cooking shows and unboxing video channels that actually have a lot more influence than I do. <laughs> Indeed. All right. God bless you, uh, Dr. Stein. Thank you very much. We'll uh, we'll talk soon. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Mike. God bless. All right. Same to you. All right. That's uh, Professor Dr. Anthony Stein 